Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. Today, we have a returning guest. We have Sarah Bishop. What's up? Hello. Thanks for Hello. having me. Welcome back. Why don't you give us like a 30-second update on what's going on with you in your life? What's going on with me in my life? Well, my life has booked a pole dancing class on Saturday, which is a repeat performance with you. I know it'll be, this will be your third one, third one, mm -hmm. third one recently, but third fourth like one ever. serious one. Oh yeah. Our first one was just kidding. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so this will be my second serious one then if we're going by that, that marker, but yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing crazy new, but, um, it's a good, good Wednesday. Nothing too much to report. Good check-in day. Just reviewing a methylation class for some continued education. So I'm excited to dive into this topic with you because it's a little less heavy <laughs> and um, <laughs> something I think we've both been uh, chatting a little bit about behind or off the mic. So it'll be good yeah. to record. I haven't talked about on the podcast, the pole classing, uh, pole classing, pole class. Yeah, that's all it is. Pole dance class. Yeah, pole dance class. Um, yeah, it's getting more serious because I bought the sticky stuff, the the stuff where you can stick on your legs and your hands to stick on the pole better. Oh, yeah, I might have to borrow that to deadlift, but I think that's definitely going to help. Well, I'm sorry I revealed what what you're doing behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's I mean, I was so freaking sore like last time we did it. So I'm hoping this doesn't tank my recovery again. I'm hoping it's a little bit easier this time, but it's a good, just full body core workout. Like we were talking about just before, like diff works, different stabilizers. Um, and I think it's just a good kind of supplement, especially for you for gymnastics. Yeah. I think with all the athletic things I do sometimes what can bring it joy, but also take away joy is being competitive with it. And so with pole, it's like, I'm not getting ready for a competition. This isn't really being recorded or it has to be super serious. And so there's like that freedom to like be bad. And also like, it's just for fun. So like, you don't need to get frustrated. Whereas like when it comes to like skills or lifting, like sometimes I can get really frustrated with myself depending on like my performance for the day. That's true. Like definitely relate as a perfectionist and wanting to always like beat the logbook when it comes to like training, which is definitely something I've gotten a lot better at, but it's definitely something that's just fun. And I think we need a little place to kind of tap into some feminine energy. And I think that's definitely it. Yeah. So today's podcast, like you were saying, is going to be a easier subject to digest, but I think it's an important one. And that's like the harsh reality of fat loss, because a lot like on my page, I talk about like reverse dieting and, you know, maintenance and building and having a balanced intake. But 
we have to understand that when we have certain physique-based goals that are fat loss, that fat loss is hard. Um, there's a lot of challenges involved. And I think people want to have it all when they're in a cut and they don't realize that there are several mental shifts that you have to make, but also physical shifts that you have to make in order to be successful in your fat loss journey. Yeah. I think we talk a lot about the importance of maintenance and reverse dieting and building, but that doesn't mean that we're anti fat loss phases at all. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that they don't have a place. The key is just to be intentional when you are there, which like you said, is not always easy and it's definitely not always a comfortable phase to be in. I know you were just joking on your Instagram story that you're ready, ready to, to diet and have a break from eating. And I definitely get that. But at the same time, like once you're there, there is Uh, definitely that, that uncomfortable feeling, which I know, you know, but I think a lot of people, it's always like the grass is always greener, depending on whatever phase you're in, whether that's, if you're listening to this and currently in a reverse and you're like, I wish I could just, you know, eat less or, you know, in a maintenance phase or a building phase, like you're feeling like fluffy or whatever and ready to cut, you know, or maybe you're currently in a cut and you're listening to this and you're like, oh no, I know the feels like I'm ready to eat more, or maybe Mm -hmm. you're struggling to adhere to your current deficit. So yeah, good point. Yeah. I think that there's always a little bit of, um, a sense of loss in a way too. Like we talk about like with competitors, like post-show blues or like after a diet, sometimes you can miss the dieting, but you know, sometimes when you're in the diet, you miss the reverse, kind of like the grass is always greener and it's okay to like, kind of be a little upset with the changes, but you just have to acknowledge like, what are my goals and be really firm in them. And I think number one, when it comes to embracing some of the adversity with fat loss, I guess you could say, would be having a strong purpose and why. And I think for a lot of women, it's not there because a lot of women are just chasing, like trying to lose the last five pounds. And in reality, it's like, I'm, I'm comfortable, content with where I'm at. You know, maybe that allows for a little bit of flexibility in your life, but then you want to get five pounds leaner and you realize, oh my gosh, you know, trying to lose five pounds on a body that doesn't technically need to lose five pounds is going to be, you know, a big hurdle for me. Or I find people can't even picture what it's going to look like to get to their goal. So they almost feel like it's impossible. And this is usually for like my clients who have more weight to lose, where they're like, I have no idea how I'm even going to lose like, you know, that 50 pounds, it just seems so out of reach. So I'm just going to like sabotage myself during my cut. That's a good point. And I think that definitely is like a subconscious thing sometimes that even holds people back. So diving into that why beforehand is a good prerequisite before you go into the fat loss phase. And maybe we can go over some like examples of a good good why. Good and bad whys. Yeah. So, well, I think a good one maybe, you know, could be health related. And I know there is, you know, some people that'll say like, oh, it's, you know, health at every size. And for me, like that is all about supporting health related behaviors, no matter your size and, you know, not, you know, being, um, you know, being, being inclusive, but there is something to needing to lose weight for your health sometimes, or maybe it's related to like how you feel. So like sometimes like people want to lose body fat because they want more energy 
or they want to reduce strain or, um, you know, joint joint pain, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a, a common kind of why that might come up. Yeah. I think another good why could be maybe you were just in a building phase for a long time and you're curious to see how much muscle do I have? Or I'm not opposed for dieting for big events. You know, maybe that's your wedding or maybe that it's a big trip that you've booked like, you know, two years ago and you're so excited for, like, I'm all for, you know, dieting for those events. It's just, you want to make sure that your, you know, calories are in in a good, good spot when you're first starting. Yeah. It's, I think it's a helpful, like why to have like a deadline like that for some people. Um, and there's definitely nothing wrong with that. Like exactly like you said, a a wedding or vacation with the caveat of it can't be every vacation that we're dieting (laughs) necessarily. Um, or every single event. Um, I think that's definitely a good why, or like just seeing it as an experiment. Like I've been Mm -hmm. building for a while, like you said, so this is going to be a different phase that I'm curious about and want to take it seriously to have the best results and take this experiment seriously if we're using that example. Yeah. So what would you say would be like some bad whys? I think some bad whys would be you're uncomfortable in a building phase and or or maintenance phase. Like give a timeline for that, maybe. Yeah. So like not like I'm uncomfortable, but I've been doing it for several years. More so like you've never spent more than six months without dieting. And Mm -hmm. maybe this is the first time that you've spent three, four months in a maintenance phase or just not dieting. And you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable and sometimes it's not appropriate yet to dive into a fat loss phase. Or I think like coming at it from a place of self-hatred is not Mm -hmm. usually a healthy way to go about cutting. It's just not a clean fuel is what I like to say. Coming at, you know, any goal from a place of like self-loathing or hatred or disdain for your body, it's just... It, it might be a good why in the a quote good why in the first couple of weeks, but it's not going to sustain you for the duration of a cut. Yeah, I was actually going to say like the self hate thing because that's one of those where I find those people lose the weight and then they're still unhappy and they like hate their body, and then you know you can really fall down a rabbit hole of like really disordered patterns around your body or food or exercise whatever it might be, and you have to realize like being happy in your life isn't just, you know, the body that you're wearing. Now, of course, having a healthy body can add to your life. But again, you you see it too, you know, people who are dieting super hard, or they hate themselves, they have, you know, hormonal issues or gut issues, because the body's like, I don't like this. Like, why are we? Why are we so stressed out? Like, why are we so like, fight or flight all the time? Yeah. And like, I'll even like bring this back to clients like who say that that they you know they they want to cut cuz they think it'll make them more confident or happier and yes sometimes that is the case but for people that I've worked with for a while I might say like hey remember at the end of your cut you know and I'll even send them like screenshots of messages like you had bad body image then and this mm-hmm. was at the very end of your cut like so this isn't necessarily going to 
quote, fix the issues that you're currently having, you know, with your body, um, you know, and that's maybe a different podcast <laughs> to, to go yeah. over, like, you know, as far as that topic goes. So a lot of people, when they start a fat loss phase, one thing that seems to be common is they want to see progress as fast as possible. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad goal, but do you want to talk about maybe some sacrifices that will probably have to happen in order to see progress on a regular basis or, you know, quote unquote, super fast? Yeah. So as far as like, maybe we should start with like, what's a good rate of fat loss in a, in a deficit or in a, in a fat loss phase. Um, I would say losing 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week on average is a good rate of loss. And Mm -hmm. anything faster than that, you may even want to say is, is too fast. Um, and if you're in that half to 1% rate of loss per week, you're in a very good consistent rate of loss. Um, not too fast, not too slow, but to make that happen, like you said, there's definitely some things that are going to have to happen in your life. So that might mean not drinking on the weekend. It might mean only going out to eat maybe one or two times and tracking that meal as accurately as possible. It might mean that you don't use your macros to have, you know, dessert three, four times a week, right? Just because it's going to make a bigger dent in, you know, your total daily intake and you don't necessarily have that wiggle room in this phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, when people hear sacrifice, some of them can like, sometimes people can shut down and, you know, if that's you, I don't think you're ready mentally for a fat loss phase, which we'll talk about later on. But there are some sacrifices involved. Like I know for me in a, in a cut, I, I don't drink alcohol. I don't really drink my calories, honestly, because liquid calories aren't, you know, as satiating, uh, depends on where I'm at in my cut and depending on the situation meals out, I limit. And if I am going out, I really try to be aware of what I'm ordering So, you know, I'm not ordering a chicken sandwich and French fries just because it's on the menu. I might be asking for modifications and I might be, you know, that pain in the butt at at the restaurant, but that's fine. Um, But yeah, I will limit that to like maybe two times a month tops. And then, you know, given the context here, you know, if I'm in a competition prep, just about never (laughs) am I going out to eat. Um, And then other things, sacrifices might be, being more aware of your sleep and recovery, you know, you're not staying up until midnight on the weekends and, and being super spontaneous like that. You're um, not, you know, skipping workouts or cardio. So you need to really be diligent about your timing and your schedule. So those have to start to become non-negotiables instead of like things that you might roll over. So I would say those are the biggest things. And then just using your, your um, macros wisely. Like, again, like Sarah was saying, just because you can fit something in like dessert doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the best choice in a cut. And that's because you have to really prioritize your satiety so you can feel your best in a, in a cut. Um, so maybe you're not using your macros on a cookie, but you're using them on some fruit and peanut butter instead. Yeah, exactly. I think time is a good one to bring up. Like you said, as far as like a sacrifice or just something to consider 
you know, I think in a, in a building phase or a maintenance phase, you can maybe get away with like, not that we recommend it, but if you're a little bit more experienced, you might be able to get away with like tracking your macros on the fly or doing a little less meal prep, but in a cut, like you might have to devote more time to planning out your meals, prepping things, Mm -hmm. especially if we're like saying like, you know, food choices do matter and sticking toward more, you know, whole food sources than like the convenient option. That doesn't mean like you can't use things like microwavable rice or ready rice, um, like the, the, whatever that is, like the uncle Ben's like packages, but you know, we're not going to be wanting to rely on fast food or like Chick-fil-A, even if you're take, getting the healthy option, like we were saying before, just because there is going to be a discrepancy as far as what you're tracking and what you're actually getting when you do go out to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, being able to wing it, this is all about going back to the grass is always greener, like maintenance, building phase. Yeah. You, you can wing your nutrition. Like, I can kind of track my day as it goes, but like, if I'm in a cut, heck no. Like that's the last thing I want to worry about, like what I'm having for lunch or dinner. Like I want to have it already planned out, ready to go. So it's not stressful. And so many people are stressing themselves out because they just refuse to take five minutes to pre-track their day. And honestly, if that's you, if you're like refusing to pre-track, you're not in the headspace to be in a deficit. Yeah. You're not serious about your goals. Like sorry. Like it it really, it's really not that hard. Like it's, it's, it's the night before you go in there and you pre-plan and I get it. Like, you know, family meals, like if you have a family and kids, like sometimes that can be more challenging, but you can still estimate ahead of time or put placeholder macros, you know, in my fitness pal stuff like that. And it still can count as, as pre-tracking. The weird thing is, though, is like many people are already thinking about meal planning, especially if you have children, like you're probably thinking about what your kids are going to have for breakfast or lunch or what are you going to make for dinner? So you're already thinking about it. The only thing you have to do that's different is think about what portion size are you going to have? Yeah, exactly. So we talked about like some of the mindset things. What are some mindsets? that you would say someone needs to, you know, already have to be in the deficit. And then, you know, maybe um, some things they might face like adversity in their cut that they'll have to be strong with. Yeah. So I think um, like mindset wise, like knowing that again, like this is a phase, like knowing that knowing what comes with the phase. So I think maybe getting out of like black and white thinking, for example, might be a good example. So knowing that this is a phase and you are going to say no to the cookie in this phase or the pizza, whatever it is, or, you know, just different, um, like cereal, whatever it is, things that you used to have like in a building phase, but not being like black and white about that. So like good food, bad food, just knowing that these are different foods that might serve you better or worse in different phases. Um, so that's like one thing to kind of have is like a a prerequisite, um, is that, that, you know, non-dichotomous, view of food. Um, and then I would say mindset around, um, like rates of progress. Like I said, that half to 1% rate of loss a week is what we're shooting for, but not obsessing over the scale or having a, um, an unrealistic view of, you know, what progress might look like, you know, understanding that there's a lot of different things that, go into, um, you know, what we could 
view as progress. So like measurements, how your clothes are fitting, progress pictures, things like that. Yeah. The scale thing is huge for me. Like if you are freaking out over fluctuations, we are not in a good spot to be in a cut. Like that's going to happen year round. And sure, you know, I've had some clients like not do any weigh-ins at all. Is that optimal? No, I want, I want people to be able to step on the scale and like feel disconnected to it. Um, same goes just if your body fluctuating throughout the month, like a lot of women are having their natural cycle. So they're going to be dealing with bloating, water retention, They have to learn that, you know, not every single week of my progress pictures, am I going to feel and look like a million bucks? Um, And then another mindset I would say would be comparison. So this is maybe your coach posting another client or maybe scrolling on social media and you're like, this person gets to eat X, Y, and Z. They get to eat more than me and they're doing less than me. I hear that all the time. They're not working as hard as I am yet they're making more progress. And it's like, you never know the full picture of that other person. And it's so irrelevant to like what you're doing. Like it's not a competition when it comes to fat loss. And I'm sure that you see this, see this all the time with clients. You get people that can lose weight on 2000 calories. And then you get other people who they need to grind and get to maybe 1500 calories or 1400 calories. So not everybody's fat loss phase will look the same either. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with your body because everybody's metabolisms are a little different too. Absolutely. Yeah. Like some people, like just depending on your genetics, how much muscle mass you have, how active you are, et cetera, et cetera. Like it might be like 1300 calories to get the scale to consistently move. And, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, we sprinkle in refeeds, diet breaks, et cetera. Um, you know, as needed. And and I think that's, you know, another like kind of prerequisite is being able to, you know, kind of adjust, like we kind of talked about before, like macro tracking, like pre-planning, like, do you know how to make an adjustment like as needed? So like, let's say like if your plans get derailed or if I give you a refeed, like, do you have the relationship with food or with tracking where you can make those adjustments and not Mm -hmm. fly off the handle? Yeah. Or panic. Yeah. I would say like another mindset too, is just being ready to have a plan after this. So you talked about fat loss being a phase, but you have to know that you have to have an exit strategy. Like you can't just be here forever. And, you know, let's say you lost 20 pounds in your cut, right? You might have to gain three to five pounds during your reverse diet to reach your new level of maintenance. And you have to be okay with that too. Because a lot of people get tied into that lowest weigh in that they got in a cut and they don't realize that you might gain some glycogen and water weight back through adding in some food. And that's not that you blew up or gained like all this fat. Like that's a very normal experience to have as well. Yeah, that's a good point too. So maybe like working with a coach as a part of that plan, someone that can help explain it, especially if it's your first like reverse. What's um a mindset hack that you would say, or I should say maybe like a, a trait that you have in a cut that you feel like really helps you just stay focused and on track? I think acceptance of some of the biofeedback. So instead of like either over analyzing or fighting it, 
knowing that it's a part of the process and almost embracing it. So meaning things like hunger, low mm-hmm. energy, um, those would be like some of the the two two big things, maybe a little bit of an increased food focus. Um, those would be like some of the, the things that you might experience in a in a cut, like a more a lifestyle cut, not talking contest prep here that are just par for the course and not necessarily trying to hack it or, you know, like overanalyze. So like with like the low energy, watching how much caffeine you're taking in as a part to like mitigate that, Um, maybe allowing yourself to go to bed, you know, a little bit earlier, or like you were saying, just being a little bit more mindful of recovery, hunger, you know, managing it appropriately with maybe increasing volumes. Like maybe you add you know, about a spinach to what you're eating or add some like spinach to your eggs or do half rice cauliflower, half regular rice, for example, but not going crazy with the volume eating. You just mm-hmm. had a good post about that the other day. Again, knowing that like hunger is a normal part of the process and always hacking it or always looking to fight it usually just makes it worse versus like accepting it. Yeah. I think another thing, like one mindset that really helps me is like not having the woe is me attitude. Like a lot of people focus on what they can't do in a cut or foods that they quote can't have, which again, no one's holding a gun to your head to be in a cut. So like, if you really want to have a cookie, like it's a free world. You can have a cookie if you want. So it's just like owning the choice. And, you know, I like to focus on things that I still can do which is a lot, you know, it's just now we don't go on dinner dates, but we go on bowling and putt-putt dates or movie dates. Like there's still so many things that you can do and have fun. And it actually makes me have a greater appreciation of food. Like when I'm not dieting, cause I'm like, wow, like food's great. Right. But it's a lot of discipline to get through a cut And it really makes me like just be in tune with my body. So like you're saying with the hunger, hunger can scare a lot of people, but I'm sorry, if you're in the States, you've probably never really been hungry before, unless, you know, maybe you did like a 24 hour fast for a surgery or something. That's probably the longest someone has gone without eating. I would hope, you know given the circumstances, but most of us have never truly been extremely hungry. So when you feel a little bit of hungry, hunger, I should say like, that's okay. Your body's going to be fine. And many people get so scared of that. And hunger doesn't mean your coach is doing anything wrong. Hunger doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. Your body is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. Like we're trying to be in a calorie deficit. That means your body is taking in less calories than what it needs. And so what the body does is it says, I don't want to change. So I'm going to send her the signal that, Hey, I'm hungry. Can you feed me? And you're going to say, no, I want to lose body fat (laughs) and ignore that hunger. And that's okay. And then that's how you lose body fat. Yeah. I think, um, Oh shoot. I forgot what I was going to say, but just kind (laughs) of like, yeah, like accepting that it, it's it is part of, you know, what you're doing and it's um, you know, for a reason. Oh, and you know, in a way like almost like when you do have some of those feels like more hunger, like hey, it's working. Like you were saying, yeah, like that's this is, what I tell myself this is working. Yeah. 
And like, just in general, like affirmations, I think are helpful, like, especially like in the gym and training and like not letting yourself like slack off because your carbs are a little bit lower. Like really, if we're doing this cut right for the first, you know, I'm going to say like a couple of months, like we shouldn't be seeing decreases to strength. If you're Mm -hmm. again, like having like appropriate food choices, you're taking sleep seriously, recovery, we shouldn't be like seeing significant strength drops in the first like month or two. So not letting yourself be like that. Woe is me. Like you were saying about training, I think is also really big. Um, And something else I heard someone else say um, as like a little hack, I forget where I heard it now. Um, wearing, not wearing like super revealing clothes necessarily when you train almost like covering up still so that you don't like see that you're getting smaller and think like, oh, you're weaker or, you know, Mm -hmm. just fixating on like, oh, is my body changing or is it not changing when you're in the gym and staying focused on your training? Yeah. You just got to be focused on executing your plan and understand like if you have physique-based goals great but like you still need a compounding amount of time like you're not gonna feel this discomfort for two weeks and then have your goal body like it's gonna take some some time and some grit yeah and it takes leaning into that and I think a lot of people give up because it's uncomfortable and that's fine I mean that's why a lot of people like can't reach their goals is because the the discomfort is too much but sometimes, you know, when you really lean into that, you realize it's actually not that bad. And then you get to your goal and it it like feels great. Like there's so many times where, you know, competition prep dieting is not the same as lifestyle dieting because you genuinely are extremely hungry. Um, and there's different levels of hunger too. You know, we have occasional hunger, which still happens in maintenance in a building phase. I I think people are mind blown by that too. Like you're still going to get hungry. There's occasional hunger, there's, I would say, regular dieting hunger, and then there's like competition prep hunger, which is like, you eat a Wake meal- Wake you up in the middle of the night hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're still hungry after that meal, or you're like having dreams about like strawberries <laughs> or something. Did that happen or something? That, that did happen to me. <laughs> I actually had a dream in prep that I ate like a Costco size of like strawberries, like a big cart. And I like yeah. remember waking up thinking, did I really just do that? <laughs> God, of all the things too. <laughs> right. I guess I want a fruit. But anyway, you know, that extreme hunger, again, it sucks. But, you know, you just got to remind yourself too, this is temporary. This is my goal. It's not going to be like this forever. You're Again, if you really are hating the process, guess what? You can just end it. Stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as I that. Think- Even- Go ahead. I was gonna say just in general, like as like a prerequisite, like working on your relationship with discomfort, I think is a important prerequisite, like putting yourself in situations where you are uncomfortable. So that's where like, you know, I do like encourage like cold showers, like in the morning or, or, you know, post-workout doing a cold shower or doing some sauna or just, you know, putting yourself like in situations where, like we were saying, like pole dance, like you're a beginner, like, you know, you're putting yourself yeah. out there, you're a little uncomfortable, like almost like, or training, like pushing a set to failure where it's safe to do so and just getting more comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, what would you say would be, you know, maybe some signs that someone should be ending their diet, you know? maybe it's adherence, you know, what would you say like client-wise you look for? 
Yeah. So adherence being a big one, anyone that's had a history of, or starts developing signs of like binge eating, like that's a huge flag for me to end a cut. If I, if someone does binge or is very tempted to, um, or at the very least have like a diet break where, you know, we have seven to seven days where we bring you up to like a maintenance level of calories, um, it kind of reset, but those are, that's a big, like kind of more like psychological kind of sign that for me, um, mm-hmm. I would say again, like a lifestyle cut, if someone is experiencing a lot of sleep issues or just really feeling super run down, that's another sign to me that it might be close to reversing, um, digestion issues, like having a couple days, I would say like one or two days during a week where you're not having a bowel movement when calories get really low. Like I was explaining before, like 1300, like there's just less food coming in. So obviously there's things that we're going to try to do to keep you regular, but you might just have a little less frequency of bowel movements. But if we start experiencing a lot of GI issues, um, without, you know, a you know, a cause other than it's probably the stress of a diet, then that's another big sign for me. Yeah. I think an, another thing for me is maybe someone had this goal of, let's say, 150 pounds. And let's say they're at like 153. And week after week after week, they're just at 153, 153. And we're pushing and their body's just not really responding as much. You know, then that's also like we need to have the conversation of, sure, we can keep pushing, but at what cost? You know, because like we were saying, yeah, you're going to be hungry, but neither of us want you to be miserable or digging your feet in the ground in a lifestyle cut, like being hungry all day, every day, dreaming of strawberries. Like we don't want you to be in that headspace. And this is where you need to communicate too with your coach. Like if you're not communicating your, your psych, your psyche at all, they're going to be missing a huge foundational piece for you. But that's usually a hard conversation of like, Hey, you know, maybe we end here instead of that 150. But like you're saying too, you're not just going to reach that number and then just be like, everything's different now. You know, at the end of the day, it's only three pounds. Yeah. It's like, is that really worth it? That's a good point. Like, you know, I should say too, like if someone like, say I have someone in there at like 1350 calories and, you know, I've tried, you know, diet breaks, refeeds, things like that. You know, we've adjusted cardio, adjusted steps. You know, do I really want to go to like 1100 calories? Like, like probably not, you know, again, like you Mm -hmm. said, like, especially not if we're talking like those last like three, five pounds, like I rather reverse someone and don't like, I'm going to say this, don't think it's going to happen for you necessarily, but sometimes with some clients, I start reversing them and just lose weight. Yeah, they lose those last three pounds. Maybe it doesn't stick like forever, but they lose those a couple pounds because they just drop some inflammation, drop some cortisol, you know, just getting out of the stress of being, you know, in a diet. Um, Mm -hmm. So it won't always happen, but sometimes it does happen. Yeah. And keep in mind too, I mean, sometimes your goal, like your fat loss goals are going to take several rounds of this. Like you're going to do a cut, you lose 15, 20 pounds, you're going to reverse. Okay. Now we gained like three, five pounds of that back. And now we got to cut again. We lose another 15 pounds. All right. Another reverse. It's going to take a while. And this is where it it takes years to reach your goal. And that's okay. Like who cares if it took two, three years, if you're maintaining that versus like trying to do this drastic, like dig my feet through the mud cut and then rebounding, like there's no point in taking that route. So 
if you got a substantial amount of weight to lose, play the long game. Like don't play the short game at all. Yeah. I would say an average cut for me for with clients is like 12, 16 weeks, like sometimes Mm -hmm. a little shorter, like sometimes longer if someone has, you know, more body fat and we're sprinkling in diet breaks and whatnot. Um, but I do think like, just especially the more intentional you can be and not dilly dallying, you know, get in, get out, get the trophy and then reverse, go out and get at it again. Yeah. Um, you know, even just like with where your calories are at. And I think it's okay as a client to set some boundaries of like, I don't feel comfortable going below 1300 or I can't realistically do X amount of minutes for cardio. That is absolutely okay. You have to communicate that. And I think that's a big thing you need to respect. And that's something I used to not do even in competition prep. And now, you know, when I do decide to prep again, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to work my butt off, but I also need to set some boundaries too of what's realistic and healthy for me mentally, you know, and just be like, am I willing to keep going or am I willing to pull back? You know? Yeah. I think that's, that's a good point. And just like we were saying before, like there's going to be sacrifices, but Nicole and I aren't like evil coaches that if it's your husband's birthday, we're going to say, no, you can't, you know, have an untracked meal, like in a lifestyle cut, there's definitely room for some flexibility. Now, if it's your neighbor's cousin's birthday, like maybe I'm going to say, stay on track and bring your Tupperware (laughs) or eat before, but you know, holidays falling like in your fat loss phase, like we can definitely have some built-in flexibility here. Yeah. I actually had this conversation with a client of mine. She's really young. She's only like 18, but I was so proud of her because it just clicked because she was telling me how sometimes I feel like I'm missing out on some things. And she was at like a, a fair, like a state fair. And then she had her niece's birthday and she's like, yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm missing out, but like, I know I want to lose body fat. And what I told her was, well, it wasn't your birthday, right? It was your niece's birthday. And that just like clicked of her of like, oh, I'll get to have my cake. I'll get to have my celebration. It's just not always appropriate to celebrate because we live in a world that we're always celebrating, which that's great. That's wonderful. I love that food's a part of celebration, but there's always, you're not going to miss out. You know, if you miss out on this holiday or you miss out on this cookout, guess what? There's probably going to be one in two, three weeks from now. So it's not a, I'm never going to be able to have birthday cake. It's just, I just won't be able to have birthday cake at this birthday, but probably when my aunt, you know, it's her birthday, then I can have cake then because my cut's over. Yeah. You could just go to Publix and buy cake. Like you just have a cake. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when it comes to the, whole, to the whole relationship with food, that can help a lot too. Cause people put like certain foods on like a pedestal and when you can just like bring them home and like have them, you realize that like, they're actually not that special. Yeah. I know you, talk, I you, have, you have a lot of good posts <laughs> on that. Yeah. But this is not it. This is about not eating birthday cake. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> birthday cake's not even all that good. I'd rather have ice cream. I think um I'm a fan of cookie cakes. Okay, that's fair. But even then they can be a little too much. Like just I've seen the yeah. cookie cakes that are like icing and then another cooking ca- cookie cake on top, like a sandwich. I'm like, this is just too much. But well, and and tying it back to fat loss too, you can always like modify and like make some like you know, of your desserts or cravings, like you can make things mm-hmm. like healthier, you know, you could do, yeah. there's so many recipes out get, there. Get I a know ninja creamy. You could do that. I mean, there's like different, like if you're craving like 
spaghetti and meatballs. Like you could do like spaghetti squash and meatballs. Like you could do, um, you know, ground turkey breast instead of ground beef. Like if you have yeah. those fats, like you can definitely like adjust things. You don't have to, you know, survive on chicken and broccoli and rice. Like it can be a little bit, you know, more, more variety and, and have some flavor in there. Yeah. Cravings are always going to happen too. Like if you are getting cravings in a cut and you feel like you're an anomaly, like you're not like everybody gets cravings and it's just about finding something that's going to help you through that. And sometimes it's also about just creating that resistance and ignoring it. Um, I definitely think there's a time and a place to give into cravings, but there's also a time and a place where it's like, you know, even if I have that, I'm still going to want more and that's okay to acknowledge that too. Yeah. Any clo- any closing thoughts of our topic of the day? No, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, we're just, I don't want people listening to this thinking like you have to like be a soldier and have like no relationship with food and food is only fuel, that kind of thing. But like we want fat loss, we want you to reach your goals and we want you to recognize that reaching your goals requires some discomfort and your body is a wonderful, amazing system. And through, you know, experiencing hunger and experiencing cravings and these types of things, it's a very normal thing to go through. And again, you're not going to get to your goal of getting leaner if you can't learn how to lean into these things. And like Sarah and I have been through a lot of cuts and I think everybody wants to know like, what's the secret? Like you must not love food. You must never get cravings. And that's not the reality. Reality is is you're just making your goals a priority and you're leaning into those uncomfortable things. Yeah. Same could be said for any phase, you know, like, oh, you're so disciplined in a building phase. Like, yeah. Don't you think I'd like to diet like too, like every so often, or sometimes I wear a bikini (laughs) and, you know, like think, oh, I wonder if I was not in a surplus right now. Like it's it's normal. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So Sarah, where can people find you? I feel like it's been a minute since you've been on. Yeah. So, um, at Sarah Ford Bishop is my Instagram. I would say most active there. Um, I have links for my own podcast in my bio there, unfiltered fitness radio, just got a facelift and started season two. Yep. Um, my website, all my coaching infos on my website at sarahbishopfitness.com. There you go. Well, thank you guys again. And for anyone that's wanting to connect more with Sarah, I'm going to leave her information down below. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at Nicole Ferry Fitness. All right, now back to the episode.